Turn hey, buddy. Up. Turn up for part twos of things. Dude, things got things got real crazy after last week's episode came out. Sweet mother <laughs> of Mary. Also, if you're one of the people still sending us links to articles about that dude. No need got, to. Thank you, but no uh, need to. we got a few this week. Just got a, a couple. Few. So About every 10 minutes, 24 hours a day for the last week. Here's what I'll say. Um... Go join the Facebook group. Just go on Facebook and do uh, the What If podcast because it's a nice centralized location for people to uh, huck a link and then everyone can see that the link hath been hucked. Holy shit! Hey! So That was me on vacation looking at our email and social media for the first time in a few days last week. God damn! (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, dang. So... Uh, if this is your first episode of the show, this won't make much sense. Go back to last week's episode. Listen to part mm. one of what if you lived in isolation? We talked about Good point. Uh, for a full hour. We talked about North Sentinel Island and the Sentinelese people who or ha- whatever they call themselves, which is probably right. way not that. a much better name. Probably a much better name. That's just the only thing we have to call them. Um but uh, they've been living since the Stone Age on this one plot of land in the Andawan Islands in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And so we talked through the history of uh, these people. We've talked we talked about a bunch of different um, sort of interactions and experiences they had over the years with shipwrecked boats and British explorers and drunk fishermen, um, many of which culminated in... Oops, these people don't like it when people come ashore and they kill those people. Well, yeah. It seems like they were mostly fine with it until uh, that one guy started kidnapping and killing their children and yeah. subjecting them to weird medical tests and writing lots and lots of pages about the appearance of their genitals and doing all sorts of terrible, creepy things and yeah. killing some of them. Right. So, After that, they took on a pretty strict uh, policy of, we don't fuck with y'all. <laughs> a very strict policy of... Nah. <laughs> so we ended last week's episode uh, alluding to a part two, which we are going to do today. We're actually going to talk about isolation in a very different uh, but related way, the isolation of space. But we got to spend the first chunk of the episode talking about something that in coincidence of the grinding of gears in the universe Happened literally 36 hours before we recorded that episode, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, news of this came out the day of our episode coming out. Right, which we had recorded two days before. Yeah. And the incident happened two days before that. Yeah. So we left the end of last week uh, alluding to the next episode. uh, But the last thing we said about the Sentinelese people was about a 2006 flyover that happened after the tsunami hit when they got checked on. But that was the last thing that we'd that really... Was, that was 2004. Or 2004, 2006 sorry. was when the... That's right, that's right, that's right. fisherman guy fell asleep and his boat hit the shores and they killed him. That's right. Um, it's two of them, right? They killed both of them? Two yeah, fishermen? sorry. Yep, two. Um, but that was sort of the last interaction that had been newsworthy or documented or anything about uh, the Sentinelese people. So in like 12 years. Yeah. And then two days before we do an episode on this show, guess what happened? Guess guess what? Guess what? Guess what happened? <laughs> guess what? Guess what? Guess what happened? Yeah. Uh, 
John Allen Chow, uh, 26, of Vancouver, Washington, was killed with arrows when he landed on North Sentinel Island. He was attempting to convert the North Sentinelese people to Christianity. Oh, John. On November 17th, one day after his last journal entry, some fishermen saw tribe members on the beach burying a body that they believed to be Chow based on the silhouette of the body, clothing, and, quote, circumstances. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> the circumstances of you're not supposed to go there and you done went there. Uh, so far, these, there were six fishermen and one other person who have been arrested um, in... Conjunction? Yeah. And they've For, been... Well, so it's, it's very illegal to go to the island or to go within a certain radius of the island. Yeah, there's like a... What is it, like 10 kilometers? Yeah, with- there's a perimeter around the island that it's illegal to enter. For this very reason, and right. for the safety of the North Sentinelese people, they right. are—they do not have immunity to many of the common things that we have immunity to, and contact with other people can be extremely dangerous and fatal for them. Not to mention, too, just generally fucking up their sensibilities of the world by driving boats around them and by them, and you know, sure, like, but like literally, it will kill them to have contact with the outside world, and it this like, too. and it likely has. Their population has shrunk significantly over the last few decades. This too. Uh, so the six people, maybe seven, I've heard both reported who helped him get there have been arrested. Um, some of those fishermen later took police back to the point where they dropped him off. So they took him to a certain point and then dropped him off in a, like a kayak and he went the rest of the way. Yeah. And I heard he, go ahead. Uh, because those fishermen did not want to be killed with arrows. Yeah. I heard he um he paid them like three hundred and seventy five US dollars or the equivalent of for ferrying him to where they ferried him to. Um and yeah, that he had some sort of kind of limited stock of goods in his kayak with him. He brought some gifts. Brought some gifts. Yep. Um this guy. And did I read correctly that this wasn't the first time that he had tried to do this? It was the third or possibly fourth time he had made some degree of some attempt uh, to reach the interact or contact or. Yeah. Uh, But so the the fishermen brought police back to where they dropped him off. Police from a boat got within about 400 meters of the the coastline uh, and using binoculars saw many tribesmen standing on the shore pointing bows and arrows at them. And they looked at each other for a while, and then the police said, no, thank you. Bye. We will leave. Bye. So they've made a couple attempts to go back. You know uh, what? You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nervous. And, uh, I mean, they would like to ideally retrieve Chow's body, but I don't think that's likely to happen at this point. No. Considering anyone who's gone there in the last uh, 20 years or so has ended up dead and not leaving the island. This fucking idiot, man. Uh, I, look, I, I'm not one to drag a dead man's name through the I, mud. It sounds like you might be. <laughs> I'll I'll give credit to the Facebook group. One of our listeners uh, definitely dropped the best line I've heard to describe the situation so far, which is play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And and I feel like it, like you're not supposed to do it. 
They tell you not to do it. They police it to prevent you from doing it for a variety of reasons for your safety and the safety of others. And guess, guess what? Guess what happened? You fucking died. <laughs> That's, that is exactly what those parameters are in place to prevent you from doing. If you Heck. ignore all of that shit and you go do it anyway, and you go on the beach and yell, what did he yell? He yelled something just like, you're in, in you know that they're 60,000 years old. They speak no knowable language in human okay. dialect. Here is, yes. So all of that, but maybe the, the stupidest part to me. Yes. Of all of this is like, yeah, okay. Yes, it sucks that this dude is dead. But maybe, like, he, in his own journals, said, oh, man, I hope I don't die. Like, he knew exactly what he was doing in that regard. He knew exactly how dangerous this was. Right. But on top of being dangerous for him, it's so reckless and so stupid right. to endanger the lives of a hundred other people because you think you're going to convert them to Christianity. A... They speak a language that is spoken by exactly as many people as live on that island. Yeah. You have a 0% chance of conveying any of the ideas about your religion that you have to them. I'm just going to scream at him in English and God will take care of the rest. Like it says in his journal, he shouted at them, quote, my name is John. I love you. And Jesus loves you. End quote. One of the tribesmen then shot him with an arrow, which pierced his waterproof Bible. Like, what are you, there's hey. literally nothing, even if you believe that they need to be saved and they need to know about Jesus because you're doing them a favor in the afterlife or whatever it is that you think. Yes. You have literally no chance of conveying that information to them and a 90 plus percent chance of ending up dead. Or killing all the rest of them. And a very high, like if you, they don't kill you, you will kill one of them just by being there. If hey, not John, many of them. Hey, John, you guys don't speak a common language, but do you speak the language of we're going to kill you? Here's just, an arrow through your possessions. Just even, even if you accept his premise of like, he needs to spread his religion in order to save the souls of these people who haven't been exposed to Jesus. There is still a zero. There's no possible positive outcome. Yes. Even if you accept that original premise, there's a, there's a, there's a massive logical gap in several of them, several, but the, but the one being the language like barrier. Yeah. You know of, how long it would take, even if they somehow accepted you and let you stay there, it would take years upon years for like a trained linguist to make any sort of progress with them. You, you have no chance of communicating with them, guy with an undergraduate degree mm -hmm. in a totally unrelated field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you never would. You could be there for the rest of your life, and I doubt you would be able to convey the idea of your old white man in the sky who's going to save their souls to them and, and have them accept it. And let's, and let's even go further and accept the impossible premise that you could get them to understand the <laughs> concepts. They would look you in the in the face and be like, "Bro, we've been here fifty eight thousand years before that was even invented, my dude. Your God is two thousand years old, according to your Bible. Oh, sorry. Cool. <laughs> We're thirty times that old, and we've been just fine without it, and continue to be. So uh, fuck directly off. I 
I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm I want to roast it and I don't feel like we should roast it any more than we already have. It's just it's a shitty situation that could have been prevented about a million different times. Right, which is why like I don't feel that bad for that dude. No, I don't either. I just don't uh I don't want to take too many shots at a dead dude. I don't I don't either. I'm just I I think I um after after researching the topic and feeling a sense of like you know, like we talked about Survivors International last time and the organizations that do a lot of work to keep these people safe and alive and flourishing for the sake of them and their livelihoods so, and cultural artifact. And like, there's so many reasons that this preservation is kept in place and it's a really fucking dumb way to fuck all of, to potentially fuck all of that up, not to mention murder potentially hundreds of people. I think it's equally stupid for to make attempts to go retrieve his body. Yeah, that's a Do- tough one. Doesn't that introduce the the exact same problems? I mean, th- In, I, unless you could somehow organize them to like stay far away while you do it, which you won't be able to because you can't communicate with them. Yeah, my my only you know my only sort of estimation of that is would they try to do some equivalent of identify where it is, do like a SEAL team drop in and boat out you know, thing in the cover of night. That's still risky though, isn't it? Absolutely. It's risky. To I don't, the North Sentinelese in terms of, uh, contamination, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would think they would have to, they would have to touch. They would have to like share touching of an artifact or touching of each other for some sort of yeah, contamination know. to really happen. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, again, not to, I'm not trying to be a dick, but like, if you did that, I don't know that I don't know that they should do anything. I don't no, know. They I, should, I, like, I absolutely I, think they should leave it exactly as it is. Right. I understand they're, as a family wanting to be able to like bury a family member. I and don't ha- think they're even pushing for it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it just even if they're not pushing for it, I understand conceptually why they'd want to do that. But I don't think you're afforded that right. If someone no. if someone. No made that many real, real, real dumb choices to get where they got, maybe they deserve to stay. The, the, the Maybe the silliest part of this whole thing is, according to uh, BBC at least, there's been a, like a murder, not charge, but whatever the word is for like right below charge. Yep. Against, quote, unknown people. Oh. Like what do you, mm. why, what are you doing? We're going to arrest this island. That it's legally, that it is illegal to contact. We need big handcuffs to big <laughs> enough to put an island in them. I'm a dumbass. I'm feel, a dumbass. I'm a dumbass. I'm a dumbass. I feel like it's like they just. I'm a dumbass. I'm a dumbass. I'm a dumbass. I'm a dumbass. I feel like they just, they have to do it so that they say it. And then they're going to be like, yeah, those. I, I hope so, those man. Those people did kill a person, but. Anyway, <laughs> it's Tuesday. What are we doing today instead? Yeah. All right, let's move on. That's enough. All right. Um, if if our last episode wasn't enough warning, this this episode should be enough warning. Don't go there. Yeah. Don't go there. Just, yeah. Just let, let them be. If let, people aggressively want to be left alone, try leaving them alone. Yes. Try that out. 
<laughs> Maybe they have a reason. Anyway. Anyway. Are we starting with the high seas stuff? Isolation part two. Yes. Tight. So um, one of the aspects of isolation that we were actually, when we had originally planned this episode, we were going to talk about in the same episode, we were going to talk about isolated populations in different ways, but there was just so much that was um, interesting to be shared about the Sentinelese and the Jawara people that we decided to break them up into two parts. So today we're talking about a very different kind of isolation, and that is the isolation of living, traveling, existing in space. Um, or simulated space. Or simulated space. Um, so I've been on the, have you been on the NASA YouTube channel lately? I watched that video that we <laughs> talked about last week. That's pretty good, right? I didn't really think so, but it's okay. Uh, I thought they did a good job. I mean, I, it. I, there were enough problem. There were enough issues with like the just production of it that I had a hard time focusing on what they were actually talking about, mm-hmm. and it felt very like forced emotionally mm. and didn't really do it for me. Yeah. But it's, you know, whatever. It's it's That sounds very much like a way that Spencer would well, react like to that, like that. My job is making shit like that. Right. Mine too. I get it. We both like yeah, we both work in creative fields. So it's easy to it's easier I guess to criticize some of them. It's like you got one of the most famous voices in the world and this voiceover still It's blended into the is boring yeah. and like it's edited weirdly and this music super doesn't fit, but then you like hard edited to the music. Yeah. And like tried to force weird close-ups of certain characters in this two and a half. I, I don't know. Whatever. Sure. It's fine. So, and then I still didn't understand what they were doing at the end of it. Put up, putting a moon base up, bro. So whether or not you want to challenge the production value of that video, <laughs> sorry, yeah, there are many other videos on the YouTube channel for NASA that the production value is Way worse than. You mean because they were shot in outer space? Uh, no, because some of the videos they make are like PSA style videos that are animated to look like um, like children's books, and they don't actually have read narration over them at all. They just have like text on screen that sometimes the some words are bigger than other words. Do they? Yes. Let me, I'm on their YouTube channel now. Uh, so you can find. You got a good, like a, a specific one I should check I'm out? I'm going to read you the text of one of them that I actually transcribed. Okay. They have a set of five that is five hazards of human spaceflight, which are miniature PSAs that NASA has put out to teach people about the hazards of human spaceflight and how NASA's working to address them. In fact, they have a very adorable <laughs> tagline. Yeah, Spencer's laughing because he's watching one right now. <laughs> the tagline for these videos is, one hazard explored, one step closer to Mars. So their whole idea is like, you know, we're illuminating the ma- like the major tenets of research we're doing so that you can understand what our priorities are and the, the fact that us doing one of these at a time helps us actually do shit yeah bro this is the this is the music for these so, hostile and closed also there's here, a, ty- gonna there's a, a really, typo on their first slide i know bro i know <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna read Can't the i'm gonna read it because it's impossible to convey how ridiculously shitty that video is outside of just uh, reading through just the text quick give them more money holy shit right that came out in august of 2018 like that is a brand new video and it, it looks like it was done by a high schooler it looks like one of those videos that you would watch in health class 
when your gym teacher who doubled as the health teacher was hung over and didn't want to teach anything and yep. pulled it out of some like back back corner of the library. Yep. It looks like it got made in iMovie with the technology from Word Art in Microsoft Word. I want to hear this. No, bro. <laughs> bro, there's no voiceover. It's just words on screen sent to this ridiculous okay, music. Okay, I'll play the music in the background. You read Okay, it. okay, cool, cool, cool. So the five hazards that they have are radiation, isolation, distance, gravity fields, and hostile closed environments. And I'm going to read you isolation and confinement. The problem. Behavioral issues among groups of people crammed in a small space over a long time, no matter how well trained they are, they are get inevitable. To <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> are inevitable. Astronauts selected for a stay aboard the space station are carefully chosen, trained, and supported. Crews for a Mars mission will undergo even more scrutiny and preparation since they will travel farther and longer than any previous human. This music sucks. <laughs> being more isolated and confined than we can imagine. The human risk. Some risks include decline in mood, cognition, morale, or interpersonal interactions. Development of sleep disorders is possible. Factors include small noisy environments, an extra 38 minutes of daylight that exists on Mars, and the stress of prolonged mm. isolation and confinement. Trips to Mars will be demanding, alternating between heavy workloads and periods of boredom. The consistent lack of fresh food and variety may add to a sense of monotony and also contribute to deficiencies in nutrition, which could contribute further to psychological and physical imbalances. The more confined and isolated humans are, the more likely they are to develop these behavioral or cognitive conditions, and this development in individuals could then contribute to, to team miscommunications. The key... NASA has been studying people in isolated and confined environments for years and has developed methods and technologies to counteract these possible problems. Important factors for the crew's health include the amount of lighting, movement, and sleep each crew member obtains. NASA uses clever devices to monitor assets and improve key human factors, but the crew will also be recommended to keep journals, which offer a safe place to vent frustration and also double as a tool that promotes mental and physical well-being. All of these methods and technologies will help us prepare for longer, farther exploration missions. One hazard explored, one step closer to Mars. So the content is good, but it's packaged in such a ridiculous way, it's actually hard to get value out of. But it's a relatively succinct explanation of why isolation and confinement in space is important to NASA and why they have been studying it for many years. So one of those ways that they've been studying it is mm. the high seas program not high sea like the beverage y'all oh. oh i was thinking more of the the pirate type or like the pirate type it stands for hawaii space exploration analog and simulation which is a bit of a stretch but you get the idea <laughs> well uh, you know yeah high yeah. hi hawaii yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they counted the they out they, well they used the yeah whatever it doesn't matter uh <laughs> It's an isolated position on the slopes of Moana Lao Volcano mm -hmm. on the island of Hawaii. And basically they built a self-contained habitat uh, in which people live together for varying lengths of time, uh, as long as a year in one instance. And its primary focus is studying some of those effects of long-term isolation or group isolation yeah. so to speak there's been uh there's been six missions so far that have varied in different 
what we're exploring uh, or what we're kind of trying to learn about in each one. Uh, it's varied in how many people are there and the lengths have varied as well. But the actual habitat that they created remains the same. So um, the high seas habitat they've created is it's two floors. The main floor is just under a thousand square feet. It's got a kitchen, a bathroom, a laboratory area, and an exercise space. And the second floor is just where everybody sleeps, and it's about 425 square feet. I was reading an article about it today, and I think it was the Atlantic one. And yep. uh, like the it's the quarters are incredibly cramped. And I was like, that's bigger than my house. For I don't know if I should feel bad about my living situation or if you're bad at describing spaces because six people living in my house doesn't seem that crazy. Yeah. Like that's like you all have a bedroom and you have a bathroom and you have common area. Like that's not sure for when you're talking about like four months or eight months or a year. I was going to say, I think that's maybe more so what it is, is put eight people in your house yeah. and then no one can leave for a year. <laughs> so the idea is that, well, or they have to wear a spacesuit. Uh, but the the people who are participating in these studies, these experiments, live as much as possible like they're actually on Mars. Yes. So they eat freeze-dried food. Uh, they use a composting toilet. Like, they don't have plumbing. Uh, they take 30-second showers because they have to conserve slash reuse their water. And they never leave the habitat without being fully spacesuited and helmeted. Right. Um. All of their communication is simulated as if they were on Mars. So it's a 20 minute delay in either direction for any electronic communication. Um, so they can still email family members and they can receive emails from family members and like mission people. But that's about it. That's about it. Uh, and those take 40 minutes to be delivered to their family and takes another, or excuse me, 20 minutes to be delivered and then 20 minutes for one to come back. Right. So. Yeah, they don't have like radio contact. They don't, they're not able to make phone calls. They can't do any streaming video, anything like that. It's basically send an email, wait 40 minutes for a reply. So even if you need help, like in the moment, you're kind of on your own. Uh, sort of. They had a 911 line. Sure. Which they will we'll get to, which right. we'll get to. But they're but also, generally speaking, yeah, it, it was as isolated as you can get. They're also not allowed to see anyone other than their uh, cohabitants for the length of their mission. Yep. Um, scientifically, they're basically trying to study how people interact and uh, survive for long periods of time in, yeah. in group isolation yeah. and how those group dynamics can function. Because if we are to ever send manned missions to Mars or to the moon, they will be small groups right and they will be very long missions especially to mars um so they're yeah, what's the length for two mars mm, don't we think I it's like it's like over a year isn't it I, for a manned mission i don't know let me look real quick i'm pretty um, sure it is so whoever participates in these studies they wear um devices to track their vitals uh their sleep habits uh their movements throughout the day and then they almost daily answer questionnaires about their own behavior, their interactions, the group dynamics, mood, and their own like experience, mood, feelings, that sort of stuff. I saw that the, um, the, I guess, two receptors that they have on them, the tracking devices, 
actually have uh, proximity elements in them. So they can track physically who's spending more time next to each other versus who isn't um, as a way of examining interpersonal conflict. And, Mm. you know, if Dave's going to bed every night being like, yeah, if Tim wasn't being such a dick all day long and they're like, yeah, no, that's confirmed. Uh, not spending much time in the same room, those two. Or Dave and Tim's dots overlap for 30 minutes every day. Sure. There's that. Oh, oh, I see. I see what you did there. Um, or could also be they're writing in their journals that they're not getting along with that individual, but interpersonally they have no problem spending time together yeah. and like, you know, working their way through their missions. And that's another part of this that um, we we haven't talked about. It's not just the biological receptors and it's not just the journaling and things like that, that they're doing, but it's also they're given tasks every like every week yeah. um, in the range of I saw like in the range of 30 to 60 tasks a week that they have to do. And there's. There's actual simulated space tasks, things like carrying out laboratory experiments, planting seeds, growing plants, um, doing more um, like spatial things, like you said, putting putting suits on and going to like retrieve things, or you know, doing simulated walks on on the planet's uh, surface. Um, but every week they got to do all of those types of things, which are simulating what it would be like to research on the surface. But there's also a lot to do to actually maintain their living environment. They have to do things like clear out that composting toilet and they have to make sure that their water is recycling properly and they have to make sure that their solar panels are tuned up and that they're conserving enough electricity and making food and cleaning up after food. So there's all these like kind of menial tasks and chores. Yeah, day-to-day shit that's just like stay stay present and like doing what you're doing, but also um, like work related tasks as well that are for, you know, the research elements. Yeah. Uh, so far there have been six of these high seas missions. Um, I think the first one was in 2013. Yep. Uh, and the most recent one was earlier this year. Uh, they've lasted, let's see, the first one was four months. Second one was four months. The third one was eight months. Um. And the first two were four, a crew of four people. And the third one and all the ones after that, I believe, have been six people. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so two four month long missions, an eight month long mission, a one year long mission. Uh, and that, that was High Seas Four was the year long one. Yep. And Gimlet actually made a podcast about that year long mission. Which I have not listened called to. Called The Habitat. I listened to the first one today. Okay. It seems promising. I'll probably listen to the rest of them. Cool. Or at least keep listening until it sucks or doesn't suck. Sure. Uh, and then High Seas 5 was eight months. And then High Seas 6, which started in February of 2018, was scheduled to last eight months and only lasted four days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they arrived. It was... Uh, I think this one was actually only four people. Yeah, it was. It was the first time that they had done four since they went up to the six mark. Yeah. Um, and I think that was just a matter of only being able to find four good candidates, it seemed like, as far as I could tell. Yeah. I don't think it was intentionally or like conceived originally to be a group of four this time. I think they were looking for six. And ended up with four and decided to do it anyway. I felt I feel like I read something about someone dropping out last minute too, but maybe 
maybe that was wrong. The the crazy thing about this, you know, you gotta you gotta imagine like doing this is a pretty severe way to live for an entire year of your life. Well, yes. And also in order to do it, you have to put your entire life on hold for four months or eight months or a year. Like everyone involved in this, uh, this one that was scheduled to be eight months long, they had to leave their jobs. Like most jobs are not going to let you leave for eight months and come back. Right. If you have family, if you have kids, if you have a partner, yeah, or even just like you need to make sh- sure that your bills get paid for eight months because you can't put certain things like that on hold. Uh, you need to make sure that like, I don't know, you still have health insurance and all the like just right. day-to-day recurring things, Although, a lot of them still have to occur. I suppose you could be on your email. <laughs> e- emailing your health insurance sort of. agent like, hello, I am in space. Am I covered? <laughs> You'd be like, I, I'm pretty sure you're not. I am in space. <laughs> NASA says I'm in space. Look, man, you Slash, can't tell me the difference. I'm on Mars. Uh, I couldn't find anything about compensation. I couldn't Could either, you? and I looked hard as shit because I wanted to know. I mean, because you're not making any. If you're not making money, even if you're not living your normal life, you're still going to have some expenses, it, unless you can like put a lease on hold or like there ha- there rent has your house to, out or something. There has to be money involved because if there wasn't, you would never get people who are qualified enough to get good data out of to come do this. I would think, yeah, because especially like you're you're quitting jobs or taking mm-hmm. long breaks from jobs if you have a that type of situation. Anyway. No, I, I but I think I think that's a super valid like <laughs> thing to you're think giving about. Giving up is, a lot in order to do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and actually not to mention you know, you talked about like the eight months of of doing it, but these people also were trained before this because you True. have to. These people get go through like really thorough trainings in Hawaii of like here's like they take them to the site and they go like here's where you're gonna stay like here's how the fucking toilet works because they have to teach them all that stuff right. before they arrive because there's no there's no one there to be like yeah I've done this before here's how all this shit works so you're also talking about however many weeks or months or maybe it's like a week a month for, I didn't see anything about how long specifically the training is on site together. They only got nine days for uh, mission six at least. Got it. But there were, there was online trainings. They did like Skype calls. Yeah. I saw that like interviewing and a lot of long distance stuff, but they, they only arrived or only had nine days of training together on site prior to actually starting the mission. Um, so it started February 15th. And the first few days were overcast, which I think is pretty rare in out in the middle of the ocean in Hawaii, especially like they're 8,000 feet up a volcano. Right. Um, and the habitat is set up to run on uh, a solar array that charges battery banks that power the, the habitat. Which for what it's worth would be how you would get recurring power if you were living on an alien Right. Planet. So they started with, I think, three or four days of over, four days of overcast weather and did not have enough power to run the habitat from the the solar cells. So they have a backup plan, which is a backup generator that runs on propane. Yep. This generator is located outside of the habitat. So they have to put on their spacesuits, leave the habitat, fire up this generator and switch the power over from 
solar cells to the propane generator. Which, for what it's worth, sounds pretty terrifying for a lot of reasons. Mostly, like, propane is a flammable gas, and there's, you know, sure. you're working on your propane generator wearing a spacesuit. Yeah, which, from the photos, they look sort of clumsy, too. They're not the, the sleekest uh, of spacesuits. Which, not that any of them really are, but right. they look... They look like older models, perhaps. I would imagine that's also maybe a little bit by design to be like, this is supposed to not be uh, the most comfortable thing you've ever worn because that's part of it being a simulation is you're not going to be super comfortable in this wherever you're going. I was thinking that Mars has less gravity than the Earth, correct? I believe that's true. So wouldn't it be even more difficult here to move around in a spacesuit than it might be on Mars? You're Just, saying because it wouldn't weigh on you in the way that it would weigh on you here? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that stands to reason from my dumb brain. Although I don't know if the familiarity of Earth, <clears throat> the familiarity of Earth gravity maybe cancels that out. But anyway, so they have to they have to suit up and go outside to fire up this generator because they had run out of power. And this is the day four of their eight-month mission. Uh, two of them suit up, go outside. Two of them stay inside um, because while they're firing up the generator outside, they also have to flip a switch inside on a circuit breaker to switch the power over from the solar battery to the propane generator. So two people are outside, two people are inside. They fire up the generator, they switch it over, it's working. Two people come back inside, take off their suits, and they find that the two people who were inside flipping the switch on the circuit breaker got a pretty serious shock in the process, and like an electrical shock from the circuit breaker. Yes. Uh, one of them seems to have sustained a worse shock than the other. And they think this likely happened because while flipping the switch on the circuit breaker, they brushed up against live wires in the circuit breaker, which would have delivered more, I'm assuming, electricity than just like your standard 120 volts because it's the main breaker for the habitat, which is the size of a decently large house. So instead of taking one outlet's worth of electricity in your house... You took all of the electricity coming into your house. Potentially. Potentially. Yes. yes. Uh, the gravity on Mars is only about 38% the gravity of Earth. Okay. So if you were a 100-pound person would feel as if they weighed 38 pounds on is that, Mars. Is that how percents work? Or a 200-pound person. Does that, does that mean per 100? Yeah. Is that how that works? 76 <laughs> pounds. So that'd be... God! Roughly me, be, be an 80-pound person. Nice. Damn, you could dunk then, bro. Get <laughs> Spencer dunk on Mars. Is that yes. the new is that the new mission? You got just gotta get me to Mars. Can <laughs> Spencer dunk on Mars? Uh, yes. Hey, uh, we're gonna put Spencer in the habitat. we we got this one experiment. Uh it's only one experiment. Can he dunk a basketball? Yes. Cool. Great. So the the crew member that got the worst of the electric shock appeared to be in pretty bad shape. Um, and was having some like body wide effects 
from it. Uh, feeling like very cold, having some like shaking and shivering, having some pains in side of them. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in the vicinity of some vital, vital organs. They reported a uh, sharp, sharp pain behind their shoulder blades, which I was just like, Oh, that's, that's a weird. There's place. a lot of important stuff in there. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a weird place yeah. to like, you don't, I've never hurt behind my shoulder blades before. <laughs> behind, see, okay. Where is that? I mean, because I'm when you say that, I'm, I'm picturing like between, but behind my shoulder blades is not part of my body anymore. Um, I mean, like, does that mean inside? I'm thinking between your shoulder blades and like your like your rib cage, so somewhere in your lung region, like the back of Oof. your lungs. Oof. I don't know. Yuck. Yeah, yikes. No grass. So they suddenly have this scenario where you have four people who are supposed to be totally isolated, literally are not allowed to see another human for the next eight months. And you kind of need an ambulance. Like, like maybe pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a hard time finding many specifics about this scenario and the the after effects of this scenario. Yeah. I think partially because until very recently there was still like an internal investigation going on and to find out what exactly happened. Right. And if they were going to continue doing experiments of this type. Right. But anyway, they have someone who appears to need immediate medical attention, if of not some soon kind. medical attention right. from actual professionals. Right. Which they didn't have. They had four people who were uh, mission specialists, so right. to speak. And they had basic first aid training, but there was not a doctor in the crew. There was not an EMT or anyone who had similar training. Right. So they now have this dilemma of, we technically can call 911. We can get a, we have a way to get an ambulance here. But eight months of potential data and however long it took to train them and prepare and make decisions to leave their lives is all going to be lost. Yep. And we may jeopardize our ability or others ability to do experiments like this in the future. Right. And the funding for such experiments. But also if we don't do anything, this person might die. Right. And it wasn't clear to me from any of the stuff that I read who ultimately made this call, whether it was the injured person or the the group as a whole or what happened. Um, but they did decide to call 911 originally to seek advice about if this was something they could handle internally or if they needed help. I got the impression for what it's worth, it was the mission commander. So they did have like a commander of the mission designated, even though they didn't formally have like, they didn't have veto power of the rest of the group. That, yeah. That part was confusing to me too, because they had that person designated, but also it sounded like the main thing they were trying to explore with this mission was how these group dynamics would evolve over eight months. Right. And so it seems odd to me to assign that to someone unless that's maybe that's by design of if we assign someone as quote unquote leader, do these four people stick to that? Do they deviate from that? Do they, right. what do they do as a, as a group? I would imagine there would 
like in any space mission, there would be a commander of some kind. So that you'd have to probably have some sort of power hierarchy established. Yeah. Anyway. And that plays into how those dynamics would work. So it makes sense that they would assign a role yes. for that. And also though, I think they're aware that especially with Mars missions, whoever is on that mission is going to have to operate almost fully independently. Yeah. You're not going to be able to ask mission control on earth for help with anything really. Right. They're not going to be able to, I mean, it takes 40 minutes just to get a message round trip. They can't send you anything, anything physically, obviously. Right. You're not getting anyone else there to help you. Like you're going to have to do this on your own. And so I think they allowed some amount of room for that type of dynamic to develop as much as they could. Figure it out. Right. We should Because realistically that's what it, it's going to be if we were to ever send a, a manned mission to Mars. No like, doubt. Those people are essentially Figuring on their own out. F- probably forever. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, you know, they, they're still going to be able to reach back with a radio question, but that stuff is still going to take the same amount of time as like, that's not going to help you in this type of situation. Right. Though. If you wait 40 minutes, that per- uh, person might be dead. Yeah. We should probably do names really quick now. Cause we're going to start getting into some names. Yeah, sure. I mean, might be helpful I don't, I for don't think designating. It, yeah, no? I don't think it really matters. All right. And I don't know all of them anyway. <laughs> I have them if you want them. <laughs> anyway, the, the crew calls 911 and they get an ambulance up to the habitat. Uh, and they decide that they need to, the EMTs decide that they do need to take the injured person to the hospital. Yes. Um, turns out that they were fine. Or, well, they got treated and released within a few hours, and yep. they ended up being fine. Yep. Um, but because of the weird circumstances and the potentially still very dangerous situation in the habitat, because they had apparently live exposed wires that were sending however many hundreds or thousands of volts, uh, they evacuated the other three crew members from the habitat, and the experiment ended after four days. And to be clear, they evacuated it after one of the women specifically who was on the mission basically was like, I don't feel safe here with this being the conditions. Because we've been here for four days and someone's been electrocuted. someone's already in the hospital. So if we're going to do this, like... And we're not getting any help with this issue in the next eight months because we're on Mars. Right. Like y'all need to fix this stuff and we need to start it again. And basically they made the decision to call the whole thing off because it had been sort of irreparably, irreparably damaged by the incident itself. The other thing about it too, was some of these other missions, the six person missions, one of them, someone did have a health issue and had to leave but they were left with five people to carry on. And the way that they handled it from a simulation (laughs) perspective was to pretend the person had died in space and they sent them into the airlock and they left and then called an ambulance and the person came and got taken by the ambulance. But the other five never had any interaction with anyone else. Never had any any interaction with anyone else and proceeded as if one of the crew members had died on the mission. So that's how they handled that situation. But in this situation, they were down to three people and there were no backup members. In some of the previous high seas missions, they had backup crew members in case someone had fallen ill and they needed to replace someone. That's stupid, though, because you're not going to be able to send a backup crew member to Mars. 
No, I think it was if they had fallen ill, like right before, like in between training and the actual launch of the program. Right. But I'm saying once in this case, they were four days in. I, I don't think that should have applied anyway, even if they did have someone waiting. Yes and no. I guess the only the only thing I can think of would be, you know, do you send that person in three months in and go, yeah, there was another manned mission behind you and... Or you send that person in, and they have to walk around on their with their shoes on their knees with an alien costume on and not speak English the whole time. We've <laughs> we've we've had contact. <laughs> he lives Every, with us now. <laughs> Once a month, you just send a new person in a gray alien costume at them. He just comes in and like fucks with people, and like or, doesn't or you could decide to eat him if you're if you're tired of the that's true of the freeze dried stuff. You said to make it a simulation. <laughs> we ate Dave. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> they just go full Lord of the Flies on the first totally. one, put his head just on a stake outside as a warning, as, as a warning to the other aliens. <laughs> just feral as fuck in like three days. Uh, Man, we did psychoanalysis on these people. <laughs> hey, thought they'd be fine. Learned a lot from that one. Uh, um, so yeah, they they stopped the mission after four days, and there hasn't been one since because this spurred a lot of investigations into. What happened, and is this actually a viable um, format for this type of experiment? Right. Is the habitat actually safe? Right. Can we get money to continue doing this type of thing? Or do we need to go out and be like, we need more money because we almost killed a person? <laughs> right. Well, and so these these missions are not organized by NASA. They're They're organized by a group led by the University of Hawaii. The habitat was built by an independent person. Uh, named Hank Rogers, who's actually a wealthy video game designer. Sick. And he uh, did a lot of things for Tetris, it turns out, and made a shitload of money and then decided to build a space habitat. I, man, I fucking love crazy rich people. <laughs> it's so awesome. Uh, so they don't... This is not a NASA project, but NASA provides funding for the operational aspects of it. So there's also... Some, as far as I'm aware, some NASA oversight from like the research components in terms of the, what they ask them to do and yeah. not do and how much of it. And because they're because NASA is the one who really needs good, clean data, right? This is the information apply. that would be useful to us when right. we send people to Mars. Don't give them uh fruit roll ups and Netflix, please. <laughs> it will not be helpful. So in the whatever it's been eight months ish since this happened, yeah, uh, it should have it should have ended about a week ago or no, sorry, five weeks ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So in that time, instead, about nine months. Yeah, it's been about nine months. Yeah, they did a bunch of investigations, reviews. NASA very thoroughly reviewed the project to try and decide if this is something that they want to continue funding and being involved with and something they can actually get good data from. Um, and NASA has decided that they're going to maintain funding, but not uh, just the way that the timing worked out with when that decision was made and when these missions need to be planned and how far in advance they need to be planned. Uh, they decided that too late to run a mission in 2019 because these had basically been happening once a year since 2013. There was like two in 2014, but yeah, roughly like one a year-ish. Yeah. Uh, so they are planning one for 2020, but in the meantime, Hank Rogers, who built the place and is technically the owner of the habitat. What up, Hank? 
um, basically said, well, let's use this for something. This is, I, I paid a bunch of money to build a, a Mars habitat. Let's just not let it sit there. Right. And in the meantime, they are, well, he did some renovations. Um, <laughs> Maybe specifically related to the electrical panel? Well, it actually says, uh, uh, this is from um, that Atlantic article. They installed new floors and furniture and upgraded the computer systems. Sick. They spruced up the interior design to make the habitat look more, quote, spacey. And they replaced the aging spacesuits with sleek new versions. So it doesn't say that they actually addressed the uh, electrical issue. And the university and Hank said that one of the crew members removed a panel or like a, a safety panel. This is your fault. From from the circuit breaker. Yeah. So they were saying we built it correctly. They modified it in a way that made it unsafe. Yeah. The crew members are saying the opposite. Basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're doing moon studies to see what a, a moon base might look like or life on a moon base might look like. Yep. Um, it's going to be similar in terms of isolation, but round trip radio or Wi-Fi or whatever communication with the moon is a matter of seconds yep. instead of 20 minutes. Yeah. So they're going to be able to have much more uh, robust communication with the outside world. Sure. They're talking about doing things like even live streaming the habitat. Yeah. So it can just be like on CBS or something or Big Brother season Big- 92. <laughs> <The moon. laughs> um, but they'll have access to like internet and uh, essentially real time communication with a base or the outside world, um, which and, and will also like allow the rest of the world to get more access to what's going on in there and allow more people than just NASA and the University of Hawaii to learn from this stuff. For sure. And I think a big um, a big piece of that, too, is you create this um, you make it way more accessible, both for participants and for uh, observers mm-hmm. in a way that makes it a much more attractive prospect for people to participate in, pay attention to, then drive funding off of that attention. You know, you catch buzz because there's a live stream of eight astronauts living together in a moon base on Hawaii on YouTube at all times. And you have a donate link on there that says like to, to continue funding these types of educational project, you know, like yeah. there's, there's a whole different level of, um, it, you you make a bit of a spectacle out of it. You update it to the 21st century a little bit more, and you can potentially drive the attention that's needed to get it to another level or a next level. Yeah, I would definitely drop in on that live stream. I would for sure do that. What's it would up be, with you? It would be it would be <laughs> fascinating. And and two to your uh to your point about like that that instant communication or whatever. I mean, it's like when the ISS does their Q and A stuff, and they can actually. Yeah be asked a question and respond to it in real time, you know, they could do that kind of thing. How are you guys feeling? And people could have Q and A's with these people who are having these simulated things. Right. You could get, I would think a lot more data that way too, than just journal entries. You could do, you know, audio or video daily of like, it's the real world, man. Hop in front of the camera and be like, I would think from a psychological standpoint though, that would be more valuable. You can see people's expressions. You can hear their actual voice. Why isn't this a TV show? Well, 
Because it needs to be isolated. But there'd be a way. <laughs> you just create, turn it into the Truman Show? <laughs> kind of. You create, you know, you put cameras all over the place. You create like a, a place where people to go film themselves. Man, I wonder what all that, that does. All that stream back right away. They cut it into episodes. Well, first of all, you'd have a much harder time getting people to agree to it. Oh, I don't know. Especially qualified people. Some people also, might be thrilled about that. Now you got to start doing casting. Right, right. Because the best scientists may not be, you know, people you want to look at on camera for a long time. True, true, true. Or that one person who, like, really hates cats. Right. But then you have the girl who really loves cats, and then you just wait. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to fight one day. We're going to wait. What if, like, every time they're not actively on a mission, Steve and Daryl are fucking, Um, and they're both just ugly as sin. You can't air that. I don't know, man. The, you can't just have the Steve's, internet's a terrible place. People would be all about it. You can't just have a live stream that's ninety percent Steve's cheeks. Um, I'm pretty sure we just <laughs> named the show. Actually, is what we called it. Ninety percent Steve's cheeks. Ninety percent Steve's cheeks. Ninety percent Steve's cheeks. <laughs> Brought to you by the Moon. This show's one hundred percent cheeks. <laughs> so is this podcast. <laughs> we out of here. Oh shit! Oh, actually, last thing. Yeah, no, we're not uh, out of here. The Biosphere Two. Yeah. Did you read about that along yeah. the way at all? Yeah. I think the inspiration for the movie Biodome, or maybe vice versa. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe know. they were inspired by the Polly Shore movie. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm not sure. <laughs> did you know that that still exists and it's open to the public? Uh, no, and I did not. When are we taking a road trip to Arizona? Arizona is where it is. And also, they do live events sometimes. Um, like in the biosphere. Excuse me? Like concerts and stuff. Oh, can we do a live episode? That's, that's what I was getting to. Dude, or can we at least go visit? That would be extremely sick, and I'm very for it. Tight. Um, Dope. All right. Okay. We out If you want to support our road trip <laughs> to We're uh, driving to Arizona? Fuck. Or our well That's a long way, bro. If we don't get more support, <laughs> it will be a road trip. Go Good to point. Patreon. Good point. Go to patreon.com slash what if podcast. Uh you can get a second episode of the show every single week. There's over sixty episodes in our backlog. Uh and it's only five bucks a month for double the what if. Just go to patreon.com slash what if podcast. Five bucks today, you will get sixty plus episodes of our show that you've never heard. That's pretty buck wild if you think Isn't about that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is cool. They're just sitting there waiting for you to waiting give us for five to fucking dollars. Sink your ears into dude, a an Americano, a fucking small Americano <laughs> in Las Vegas every morning last week cost me more than five dollars. And instead you get like Instead a, you can a, get hundreds of hours of our lives. Two two weeks worth <laughs> of content. We love y'all. Thank you for supporting the show. As always, we will see you next week. Didn't have to do a bunch of drugs, did you?